Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Teacher Takeaway podcast. We are on episode 13, and I am your host today, Beck West, and I am joined by the magnanimous Alice Vigors. Hello, everyone. Aaron Johnston. Hello. And James Gray. Hello, everyone. You gentlemen are magnanimous as well. I just must be in an Alice mood. You wait till the end, Alice. You'll be in a James and Aaron mood, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, today we are looking at uh, how we focus on fun in learning. And our inquiry question is, how do we engage learners in other key learning areas? Now, I suggested this topic to the group, but I have to admit, I actually hate the phrase other KLAs because we say English, we say maths, we say literacy, we say numeracy, but we never really talk about art, music, drama, uh, physical health, science. They just, they're lumped into this other category when they're really- cousins. The poor cousins. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear, what a horrible phrase. (laughs) They're equally valid as important. And we know that a lot of those areas are where some of our kids thrive the most and they are highly engaged in those areas because otherwise we wouldn't have extracurricular activities. They just wouldn't exist if that engagement level wasn't there. How do we get that engagement level in our classroom? So before we kick off into our little subject areas that we've got listed here, I'm curious to know what is your favourite subject area to teach in this area? So not English and maths. James, have you got a favourite? Well, I think I've mentioned this previously um, in some other episodes, but I'm always a fan of within creative arts drama, always a, a passion of one. mine. He's so I am always so dramatic, but always just the surprise on the student's face when you actually engage within a drama lesson, because um, I'm not saying that that we a lot of teachers don't do it in the classroom, but um, I really enjoy teaching drama because you get to see a different side of the students. And I, I really find that it's a great way in building relationships and really creating a positive culture within your classroom through, through drama. So that's why I'm always a big fan for it. Yes, we know he to be a bit a tad dramatic sometimes. No <laughs> <laughs> <Bad> comment. <laughs> Alice, how about you? What's your fave? Oh, I've got two. Can I have two? No, of course you two. can. No, she can't. Two as well. oh. <laughs> the the boys are jealous that I'm the favourite tonight. <laughs> I'm going to pull a James and go two. All right. we'll <laughs> so up, James is usually three. Let's be honest. <laughs> he is, but I'm going to go two. Going to find that middle ground. Um, I really, really enjoy teaching science mm-hmm. and geography. Now, I'm curious with science, is it like the experiment part that you like the most? I like being able to connect the theory with practice. Interesting. And infusing it in so that it's not just, oh, boring science, but finding a way to make the two symbiotic in relationship, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but making them fun, like so that it's, it's building that expertise through the, you know, the, the practical side of, of science, but that engaging with theory at the same time. Getting those light bulb moments when you're making yes. those connections. Yes. It's cliche, but teachers do love a good light bulb moment. Yeah, we do. How about you, Aaron? What's your fave? 
Is it one? Do you have just one? Well, I, I think my most favourite would be science with Alice. Love teaching science. And then a close second would be creative arts, but more the music visual arts side of creative arts for me. So that would be my, my two favourites. I think I can see why we get along, guys. Like <laughs> science is is up there for me, quite specifically the experiment part. Like the theory stuff, yeah, it's all good. I probably waffle on a lot when it gets to the, the theory part because I'm one of those people that goes down the rabbit hole of where the theories came from or how the science has evolved over time. But I really just like blowing stuff up, like making <laughs> volcanoes and making a mess, <laughs> which is probably why it's understandable that my favourite, favourite one is visual arts. I like art. I like being able to get my hands in there and get creative and get kids thinking about different perspectives. And I think the reason that I like it is because it links into so many other things like history. There's so much art that's tied in with history and it tells those tales. When you go to a museum, there's, you know, very rarely art pieces that aren't inspired by something that happened throughout history. There's always a tale there. Uh, it's so easily tied in with our literature, with our stories, with our books, with our fairy tales. There's always something there that links to it. And I like the fact that there's no wrong, uh, you know, there's no there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer when mm. it comes to art. Yeah. It's very open and interpretive, which means you can create a classroom environment based on whatever you enjoy, what makes you feel successful. So I very rarely... Uh, engaged my class in doing artworks where we're all kind of making the same thing. Yes, I'll have my model and an example of what's up there, but there's never an expectation that you're meant to mimic what I create. I love it when kids do something mm. really different. Yep. Um, I like creating with them. They re- yes. get a really big kick out of you making or creating something with them and alongside them. Yeah. I mean, if you stick it up on the wall too, and you have parent teacher night, the kids will go and find theirs and say, mom, this is mine. And then they'll go to the teachers and say, here's Mrs. One as well. He's the one that she did. And sometimes you hear the parents go, oh, oh, (laughs) (laughs) it's always fun. So let's get into some specifics here. We've got uh, we've got lots of beginning teachers graduating at the moment. Uh, I know some people had ceremonies in recent weeks and we've got lots of newbies coming out into schools and we've got lots of people that are very experienced and perhaps looking for something new. So let's start with science and technology since three out of four of us have nominated that as one of our top ones. <laughs> no judgment, James, none whatsoever. Um Let's look at something that we really enjoy in science and technology. Now, I mentioned, obviously, the experiments. That's always lots of fun. Perhaps not so fun if you're getting uh, food coloring on a child's shirt and then sending them home for the afternoon. But that also incorporates a lot of uh, technology. And if I like those things that link in in there, I like things like using um, cameras, digital cameras, using that element of technology to be able to link in with my visual arts. Um, so Alice, I'm going to go to you because you mentioned science in yours. What's one of like the best things that you think comes out of teaching science and technology? Um, I mean, you mentioned going from the theory to the practical, but have you got any, any examples maybe of something really explicitly that someone might try and take back to their classroom as one of their takeaways? Oh, um, you're asking some big questions. There, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of, um, a stage two kind of unit we did around, um, oh, I think it was a life cycles unit potentially. 
maybe, or living things, sorry, living things. And we were looking at, um, we looked a little bit at life cycles, but we um, were exploring, a big chunk of it was exploring bees and um, the difference between kind of European bees and native Australian bees and how, um, you know, they're becoming quite, you know, not endangered, but, you know, there's there's a risk to them with um, this particular bug or parasite that, that um, gets on them. So we were looking at, you know, what, the importance of bees to the way that we live and, you know, the kids in the beginning, they really um, were kind of like, oh, you know, yeah, bees, you know, they sting you and all that kind of stuff. And well, we got into you know, why, why do we need bees to survive and, and went to explore, you know, how they support, like, you know, use flowers and pollen and nectar and all that kind of stuff and, you know, what's in our region that requires, um, you know, the, the use of bees. So we talked about how, it, you know, um, we've got lots of apple orchards. So we're, you know, big, heavy um, apple growing region and all of the apple orchards, they have beehives at kind of the end of their, you know, every few of the apple rows, you call them rows. I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not an apple farmer, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they've got all of these hives so that they can pollinate the, the blossoms on the apple tree when, when they flower. So we got into to that and we connected with a, um, an apple farmer. I don't know what their technical name is. I'm going to call them an apple farmer. Apologies if you're one. Um, that you know the the importance of that and and their their bees role in that and we looked at how you know because we've had lots of you know quite a large bushfire go through our region the last couple of years the impact that bushfires have had on bee populations in our area and looked at ways that we could then create you know a space within our school that wasn't in our directly in our school playground but that could um you know, that we could create and um, attract bees to this particular space in our, in our playground to help them return to the area and, and build up their population to thrive. And um, I don't know if that really answers your question, Beck, but I just... No, but it's such a perfect example of using something within your community context to get that engagement. Like I wouldn't have even considered that they would have beehives right there next to plants, but I guess it kind of makes sense yeah. as well that they're yeah. right there helping pollinate and continue the the growth of of the plant. I've got an uncle that lives at Batlow. I'll have to ask him what apple farmers are called if it's not an apple farmer. Yeah. Please do um, find out. I'd love to call them by their right name. But, yeah, it was a really, really interesting conversation and we've got quite a few kids who live on um, apple farms, so they were um, sharing what they do on their apple farms and how they encourage the bees and, and that kind of stuff. So it was a really nice contextual connection to, um, you know, for the kids in our area. And, yeah, I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like it because I, I think the more relevant with any anything that we're teaching, the more relevant that we can make it to the kids and the more opportunities we give them to actually 
physically interact with something. So like that's something they can access on Mm. the weekend with their parents. Or I know only because like I said, my uncle's down at Batlow, there was some big massive Apple festival or something. Yes, it's coming up a couple of weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Cider fest. So like there you go. Like that's something that they've they've had that experience. They've had that information, that connection. And now they get to go and see science in real life. They're going to go and see how that connects to the real world and how they consume it as well yeah. and how they engage. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit more just really quickly. Um, what I really liked about doing that was lots of kids after we had learned about that had, had gone and made their own, you know how Bunnings have those DIY little honeybee nests. Oh, uh, the, the bee B&Bs or the bee hotels. Yeah, yes. the bee <laughs> hotels. So lots of kids after we had done this unit had gone to Bunnings with their families and actually got one of these to take home and to put in their gardens to attract the bees to the to the flowers and the plants that they were planting in their garden to encourage the bees to to grow and thrive um in our region again so I was like oh it's like one of those nice heartwarming teacher moments where the the learning goes beyond the classroom because it's contextual and it's relevant Mm. for the students you can make them I know schools that have run the school gardens workshop where you can make those little hotels either using lots of bamboo sticks shoved into like a you know a rectangular box yeah open on either side or big chunk of wood and you just drill holes into it just drill 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 nice and deep and I think it's leaf cutter bees that like to live inside them and you just hang them um or you can get I'm going to say the wrong thing, like a two by four that you cut off again, drilling through it. But like, then you get the kids to decorate it. So then some of them tie it into their PBL, PBL. Yeah, (laughs) I see what you did there. That's good for Um, me. They're pretty good. All right, James, let's move away from the sciences and get into some (laughs) drama. Now you (laughs) you said something that caught my attention. You said the look on the kid's face when you, join in when you get into it now i'm picturing mr gray doing some performance here is that what you're referring to let's let's start with if you're new to the teaching of drama and you just want kind of a hook to to the lesson i'll start with a little favorite activity of mine that you can use um in all stages that obviously like anything their level of understanding and participation will reflect but a way to hook your kids into drama is an activity called bus stop and this is one a game when i was casual teaching in a class i liked doing for for a bit of fun but also as a bit of a warm-up before starting drama but also again sometimes a little bit of a an activity before transitioning um to to the next lesson so what bus stop is is essentially you what happens at a bus stop strangers so the the method of the the idea of it is about improvisation and putting people um in a unique situation and they need to take on a character and think about how that character would act within that situation so a key part of improvisation so you can put three chairs out the front the rest of the people are the audience so you basically choose your three students to be there. When they go out there, obviously you set a few norms and expectations about being respectful and the appropriate things around that and around getting into character as well. So when you've got your three students out there, they all choose a character of who they are going to be um, in that bus stop. They start, they engage, they have conversations based upon that. And when the the teacher is kind of the moderator and you can choose a student, when they believe the conversation is dying or going anywhere, you'll yell out, bus stop. That person on the end will leave it. 
the other two people move up seat, a new character comes in, and the other two students who obviously are still there, they need to stay in their same character of how they were before. New person comes in, their job is to keep the conversation going. So a key thing within drama is called accepting an offer, not shutting someone down a conversation, accepting an offer. So if someone's asking a leading question, you need to go with it. So you know you are being successful when the conversation is flowing and it's about putting students in different situations, building their awareness of taking on a different character and to become somebody else within that moment. So a really great improvisation activity really for a lot of students of building their confidence as well. Sometimes when you start that off with your class, obviously a key thing is being silly and a little bit too, but that's where you set your expectations of what you're going to stand for within the class and around it, but a really, really great activity. So that's kind of like a hook kind of thing if getting your kids into drama, but a key important thing, especially with our students in these modern ages, they don't know how to express themselves in person. They're, they're so used to their text talk online from their TikToks, their Instagram, their Snapchats, everything. It doesn't matter if you're teaching primary school students, they're, they're all they're all accessing these kind of things. So I think something that is so important in this modern age is teaching our students through drama and how to express themselves confidently in in those situations and it's a key thing in building confidence as well um tying it in i always liked with drama based upon the text that we were doing whether it's through shared reading with my class or if there was a class novel that we were we were studying i always liked tying my drama within to that because it wasn't adding um a certain unit of work which was specifically the drama it was always integrating and connecting it with the learning that was going along with the text we were looking inside the um, classes and sometimes to um, one of the novels that we were looking at so we would take on characters of that text and one activity as well is so if I'm going to take a lead character out okay students walk around in chapter one when this character just got told this happened Let's walk how we think that character is now around the classroom. And just different little activities like that, it's so easy to get students engaged in drama. It's not about adding something on. It's about using what you're already doing in the classroom to for students to deepen their understanding, but also to express it in a different way. I like that. And especially if you've got some of those kids that are a bit shy and you're linking in with the text too, if you can find an already written uh, reader's theatre, helps um, create a bit of a, a buffer for the kids. They've got the script there ready to go. They don't have to think about what they need to say. They can just read and try and get into character a little bit. I like the idea with the bus stop activity that you've got a bit of control over who's going next. So if you've yes. got two people sitting on the bus stop there that are a bit shy and you know there's some yeah. chatterbox in your class that loves to show off and get into character, you funnel them in next to help keep it going. Um, and a great scope there to be able to chuck in some props. I mean, if they're at the bus yeah. stop, maybe it's raining, they've got umbrellas, or if yeah. it's an old man chucking a, a walking stick or something, there's lots of flexibility there to be really creative with it. I love it. I haven't heard of that one before, so I think I might steal it. And that would <laughs> that, that might that be would my be, takeaway. <laughs> that would be a good connection to doing something like a hot seat in literacy with a with a um you know with a bunch of characters in terms of helping yeah. to understand how a character thinks and, and how they might react in certain situations. 
that could be so cool at the end of the year after you've done so many different characters and reads and everything is like play bus stop but as the characters from the books that you've read throughout yes. the year so like Matilda maybe uh, that would be Matilda funny Factory. I haven't done that one I'd like that <laughs> or yeah. different one. characters meet each other we, we did a similar one where it was a dinner party and they all were different Ooh. characters from different books or things that we'd, we'd oh, done through so English. Cool. And it was, you know, guess who's coming to dinner? And it was a, you know, a dinner party scenario. I Can love you imagine it. like Miss Trunchbull meeting the grandmother from um, George's Marvelous Medicine? They'd just be cows <laughs> the whole night. <laughs> I, I was thinking the Trunchbull meet, meets the witches. Oh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Okay, so we're still sitting in this artsy area. Aaron, you got a bit of a music vibe. Yes, yep. So um, for me, I guess a couple of things I, I would recommend if anyone's keen for some music PL, um, keep an eye out for the National Music Teacher Mentoring Program. So I did that a few years ago, um, many, many years ago now, um, as a like a really building your understanding of foundational music skills and how to teach those um, to students. But honestly, it um, that whole program is really about teaching kids about musical concepts like beat, pace, tempo, all through games and through play and through singing um, and really getting kids not just sitting and talking about it, but body percussion and all of those kinds of things. And I just remember, you know, the kids every week would look forward to when we did it and we would play these musical games mm. where we would be, you know, doing body percussion but building on those skills. So then when we get into, you know, years three to six and we can start to look at music notation and things like that and teaching them, you know, the TTs and the Tartars and clapping it out and playing on different things and experimenting with different sounds. So, you know, doing, you know, TTs and Tartars on, um, you know, with our hands and on buckets and on metal objects and comparing sounds and putting compositions together using different objects. We did, you know, a bit of a junkyard orchestra where we made mu uh, musical instruments or we had to bring in something from home that we could make an instrument and practising, you know, putting, um, you know, a piece of music, a composition together, a percussion piece, um, using different different things. And we had, you know, a junkyard orchestra that we performed at, I think, Mother's Day. And we had, you know, the, the kids on the buckets and the kids on the, um, you know, the sticks with, shells attached to them that they would shake and all of these things that we had just really was it was really play-based learning and experimenting with different things that made sounds but they were so engaged in it and then when we went to three to six and we looked at those formal you know music notations it was like oh I understand that because we've done all of this play and experimenting with compositions informally that then they can build on actually understanding like I guess music theory in a, in a simple way but for anyone who's thinking oh I'm not really musical I know um, you know that music teacher mentoring program was a great way for um, you to build your own understanding of how to teach music um, in a way that's fun and engaging but so that you as a teacher understand it because too often we go oh we'll just sing we'll just sing a song because that's the easiest thing for anyone who I guess isn't from a musical background to to do I think that's it's a hard barrier to get over to if you think I'm not a musical person or I'm not yeah. a performing kind of person. How do I how do I teach this? And if you if you could find that one thing to sort of give you a leg up, if it's a, a, a scaffold for yourself, if nothing else, then I say take it. I mm. absolutely love 
please tell me you're not too young to you to know what this is. I love popcorn. Do you guys know what popcorn is? Oh, the music CD. <gasps> the youngest person knows. <laughs> yes. I was going to say the food that you eat. It was, it, was a, it was a cassette tape back yeah. in my day, James. <laughs> no, I remember because when I first started, we had it saved to our teacher drive, the <laughs> MP3 files. So... Arison, Alice and Aaron, no, you don't know who is. No, sorry, <gasps> no. Beck. Oh, I will, let's find it for the show notes. So, it was it was a set of music, a cassette tape of music. So, if I wanted the certain song, I had to fast forward to get to it. But with the CD, <laughs> or if you've got the digital version, you can just find it. But it was like um, the old sort of more classical type music. I shouldn't say classic, classics type stuff like the elephant walk. <laughs> and then these these set um, sheet music on these massive posters for all percussion instruments. So if I remember correctly, triangles are blue, tambourines are red, wood instruments, castanets are green. And so the kids, depending on the instrument they got, just have to look for their colour and you as the teacher go along with the beat of the music. Mm. And obviously if it's got a red and a blue, those two instruments go, dunk, 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 you know, and yep. they, it's so easy for the kids to learn. So easy. And all you as a teacher have to do is keep a beat. So if you can yep. keep a beat, you just yep. tap the board and they can keep the beat, things like that. So yeah, like Aaron said, if singing a song helps you step out of your comfort zone, Chuck on some Disney karaoke and mm. sing the song with the kids. They all know what <laughs> but, it is. It's fine. But, but I, definitely, I always... Sorry, keep going back. Oh no, definitely engage in some of those programs yeah. that support you with it. Don't don't sit on your laurels and go, you know what, it's music, it's not maths and English, mm. it's not the biggest priority. It's very yeah. important. And there's research out there that shows that kids, um, as they get better with things in music, get better in mathematics because mm. well, there are patterns. lots of mathematical patterns in music, Beck. What a way That's to it. apply yeah. and explore mathematics yeah. through music. Or even like we were saying before, like learn with them. So I remember we decided, like, I'll be honest, when I went to school, didn't want to do recorder. So I chose to do, I chose, I chose to do choir because in my primary school, you either did choir or you learned the recorder. So I chose choir. And then I was like, I don't want to teach the recorder. So I decided we're going to learn the ukulele. So I bought, nice. I bought the program, everybody. Uke can do it. <laughs> Uke can do it. Write that down. <laughs> and, it, and it really is a, a teaching um, the basics of ukulele, little chords and how to play them, like similar kind of way, a manual of you would give to your students on how to learn the recorder. But, you know, the ukulele. And I did that with my kids and we learned it together. And I went full ownership. I said, kids, I don't know how to play the ukulele. We're going to learn together. We're going to go through this program. And it was the same. It was sort of color-coded um, and you put different dots on your ukulele, um, different combinations so that you and the kids could learn. This is where your fingers go when we play this chord. Um, it's very simple. And for me as a teacher, super easy for me to learn. And we just learned it together for a term. And then at the end of the term, we were like, hey, let's play a song for the principal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep. Just that that performance part too. Like you don't have to be doing a big assembly item or concert no. or Mother's Day assembly or something, even if it's just a video to stick on the school Facebook page or something, as long as there's something they're uh, performing mm. at the end yep. of it, then and it's I think worth it's, it. Yeah, and I think it's remembering the, the composing, you know, the performance and then the appreciation part of it too, you know, just like yeah. we, you know, I think that's something in all areas of creative arts we forget about is the appreciation mm. and it's the same with music and same with dance and drama um Joy. you know make 
Yeah, and mm-hmm. visual arts, making sure that we're looking at, you know, composers, creators, and being, like you said, not copying, but being inspired by them. And talking then, about the elements. Yeah, and talking about how, why, why do you think they've chosen to put those things like in that arrangement? I remember looking at um, like a piece of music like Carnival of the Animals and talking about what instruments do you think they use? Why have they used that instrument to represent? Well, you know, I think that's a, an elephant. Why do you think that is? What is it about that piece, you know, that, or why do you think they chose that instrument? Well, having those conversations and then going, what what can we do? How can we use different sounds to portray different things in music? Or, you know, how can we use different mediums in different ways, um, you know, to be inspired with our own creations? And sharing those things is important for other kids to see that too. If you're like a, a year two kid and you're seeing what those year five kids are doing and yeah, maybe it's not something you'll touch on ever, but you've seen it, you can appreciate it, you'll absorb it, might make you think differently about something mm. that you end up doing in the classroom later if you're inspired by it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to touch quickly on visual arts and just uh, recommend just YouTube seriously there are so many artists out there i'm on tiktok and everything if there's something that you're interested in and you've got no idea how to do it artists love sharing they're poor for a reason they they will put all sorts of things on their instructional videos how to i still haven't been able to replicate it but there's there's this great artist that does a really simple version of painting the northern lights i swear it takes her 30 seconds to do it she makes it look so easy that you could show it to the kids. You could show the YouTube video to the kids and I'm sure the kids will pick it up better than I can, but there's options there to help you do that. Like, don't just sit back and go, I'm not arty. I'm not good at drawing. I hear so many teachers say, I'm not good at drawing. There's not many many artists that draw. The kids kids, don't actually draw. The kids love it when you're not. Yeah. (laughs) They love trying to interpret your artwork. But I like connecting visual arts with whatever we're learning about and studying mm, in history same. or geography. Yeah. And so that you can look at, you know, how art and things have changed over time, even in mathematics. We look at mm. geomet- geometric art and how that links with, you know, fractions yeah. and decimals and percentages, looking at ways mm. you can interweave it so that it's mm. got meaning and purpose in multiple areas, not just yeah. as a standalone subject. Yeah. Escher ties in perfectly with mathematics. That's mm. that perspective and lining and measuring and being able to get things perfectly in those um, shapes is great for it. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if you're someone who's not sure where to get started, look up paint pouring. It's literally paint, different paints in a cup and you pour it on a canvas. It's done. It's easy <laughs> and it looks amazing. I did or a session with our teachers. Little uh, bouncy so balls on marbles in a tray. with. Oh, yeah, and just rolling paper. it around. Mm. Rolling it. Little, yeah. That's it. So you don't okay. have to have the physical drawing skill to be able no. to um, do something yeah. really engaging with your kids. If you've got some older kids, Alexa Mead is one of my favorite artists. She physically paints people to look like a portrait, as in it is a person standing there with paint all over them and it looks like a painting. She'll take a photo of them. So you won't know it until you see a video of it happening and then the okay, yeah. is it is it like like the finished product, like the old, you know, Gautier the Oh. Yeah, 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 kind, kind of, of like, stuff that. like that. Somebody yeah. that I use. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Like that. Except <laughs> when you James, teach me. 
Um, She's taking choir, guys. <laughs> it looks so funny the way she does it, though. So she'll take a photo of them or a series of photos of them to make it look like a painting, but then she'll do this really trippy stuff where she'll get them to sit on a bus. Like, so you see everyone looking real behind them and then they just look like a cardboard cutout kind of smacked out, like in the middle of this scene. Very interesting. It's really real. You've got to be careful looking at her website because she has done some nudes and things. Oh, yes. Um, But I picked certain. Be mindful of getting that up in class if you're on her website, guys. (laughs) Maybe just. I picked out pictures that I liked. Blue Man is a great one. Blue Man is awesome because she painted the guy's jeans and everything and. this, this was just a really cool series that she did. And so I use that as an example for the kids where we went and painted leaves, dried leaves that had fallen from the ground. And we had, we painted the leaves, painted a background, put the leaves onto the background and then took a photo. Same way should she, she did. And it's that all that same thing of appreciation, look at everyone else's. And the great part is, is that the, the artwork can't stay because the leaves are all crinkle and fall apart and they're all bent and everything. So you just left with the photo, even though you painted something really interesting okay let's keep going though um someone said they would love to talk about history and i'm lost my chat box now. Oh, i said Aaron, i said I'm happy he's, he's that guy that guy what, what are you inferring alice <laughs> yeah can you can you elaborate on that <laughs> oh i just some things I just can't get enthused about. Oh, history. history. I'm but not the history, history. I love Egyptian history. I hate oh. modern history. Like no, learning about oh. the geography. No. no. <laughs> See, I, I much prefer modern history. Oh, um, ancient for me. Yeah. I mean, I like both. I do like ancient history. But for me, modern history um, is, is one that I enjoy because and I always try and paint this with my kids in my class talking about, you know, this is why we learn it because it helps us understand where we've come from, how we got to where we are now and, and where we are going next. Um, and so one thing that we've been doing recently um, with history, I've got stage three, so um, year five and six. And so we've got a big focus on, you know, early Australian history and really um, tying in Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander perspectives and really making our, our history units, um, you know, focused on really bringing, I guess, um, that to the forefront rather than it being a, I guess, an add-on or something that we don't focus too heavily on, but trying to make our history, I guess, more authentic when we're looking at, you know, Australian history. And so we've just looked at getting some some resources for our school where we're getting artifacts, again, trying to get kids hands-on with not just looking at pictures, but actually being able to touch, feel, play with um, authentic historical, I guess, artifacts. And Sorry, Sorry, doesn't the, um, just jumping on your artifacts comment there, doesn't the National yes, Museum and, do and, kits and, and boxes? I was, that and that's can... what I was going to say. And we we started off with um, hiring the boxes from the National Library, um, the National Museum. You can get different boxes. You can borrow them for a term and they're based around different units. Um, but I would recommend if you don't have those artifacts in your school and you want to borrow a box, book in early because they do book out quite quick. Um, so you need Are to these sort of free. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Usually, for our memory, you pay a bond, obviously, to borrow it. Yeah. And then when everything is returned, um, you get that back. So they're they're great, and they're themed around all kinds of history topics from K to six. Um, so the State Library 
um, is a good one. And there's the um, museum as well. So look at those. We can post the links in the show notes. Um, but it's called Museum in a Box and yes. full of full of artifacts. And even it comes with the units of work too. If you think I don't have a unit of work, it comes with all of those um, as well. But trying, like we've talked about, trying to engage kids in it, not being just talk, but hands-on seeing things, touching things, feeling things. Um, but I think for us, our a big history focus has been really trying to be more authentic in our Australian history in year five and six. Um, and also, like, I know we're going to talk a little bit about integration, but weaving in those other KLAs like art and science. And, you know, when we were doing this unit, we were looking at, you know, um, Indigenous astronomy and how Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people would look at the stars and use stars to, you know, gauge seasons and, and things like that. And, and how, and it was just amazing for kids to understand that there's so many things that we do today that have developed from those early practices before, you know, I guess, what we would regard as modern society? I think um, history is one of those things where I guess maybe it's the same thing as anything else. Like if you've got that barrier for me, modern history, don't want to do it. You've got to find that that way to hook yourself in as well. Like as soon as you mm. mentioned the boxes and the artifacts, that's hooking me and Of course, that's going to hook the kids in. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, and I think that that's been one thing I think that hasn't engaged kids in history for a long time because we there's so many other things that we do that are practical and hands-on, but history tends to be more of that Dry. we just we just listen or we just watch. Mm. Um, so it's, it's trying to, I guess, find resources again that are going to, like you said, engage kids in it. Um, and like I said, we're going on that journey of slowly trying to build our collection of artefacts, but using those other resources out there. Um, like museum in a box is a really great one. It goes Horrible to the histories. heart of good good inquiry practice, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Horrible, Horrible histories. histories. Great text, books. yeah. And a show. Mm. They turned it into a show. I don't know yeah. how, how long it lasted. <laughs> a few years ago we did an ex- we did a history unit and we looked at pirates and they had an exhibition at the um, Maritime Museum in Sydney, a horrible histories, pirates one. Cool. So it's looking for opportunities like that too, where we can, I guess, study something, but then have something where it kind of pulls it all together. Yeah. Um, you know, we did a history walk as well, like the Great North Walk. We'd done a lot of learning about convicts and then we went on the walk and they had the actors that were pretending to be the convicts and the mm. actors that were pretending to be, you know, the the soldiers. And, and that sort of just really helped bring it all together Um you know, not just waiting, I guess, for those moments where we do say government and then we go to Canberra in year mm. six, but trying to bring those, I guess, history elements to life, whether it's through artifacts or through something that kind of brings it um, to life for them. I mean, if only oh, we still had old Sydney town, I'll tell you oh, what. Oh, yes. Oh, mm. my God. That was I think a classic. That, you know, bringing it all together and, and immersing them in the history getting them to experience that for themselves gives them a chance to consolidate that understanding and that learning Mm. that they've had. It helps them to, you know, hang their hat on an experience because they've had that opportunity to engage with it physically themselves, which makes that learning more tangible and relevant. Fairfield Museum do a a bit of an immersive thing too. You know, they've got got the blacksmith and the ye old shop and the old classroom Mm. and things like that. It's interesting to go in and see those. Do you prefer the experience 
prior to the learning or at the end? Because I sit in two mindsets where sometimes it's like, yeah, it ties it together at the end. But sometimes I like it as a kickstart. We go mm. and we experience. And then we, yeah. when we're doing our learning, we can reflect and refer back yeah. to it. Remember when we were at the museum and we saw this? I think it depends on the purpose, what it is that you mm. are intending to get out of the experience. Mm. I've done done it both ways, but I think the most valuable ones have been where we have done it as a culmination of our learning mm, yeah. and you know I'm particularly thinking about um, a science space unit that we did where we took the kids we learn all about space we did a really rich and interesting inquiry on it and then we took the kids to the um, oh the name escapes me now the observatory in mm. Sydney um, right near the harbour bridge and we went there and even the, the guide was saying the kids knew so much mm. that she was able to take the the guide and the tour that we had booked, take that deeper and further because the kids were so engaged and they knew so much and had that foundational knowledge. Yeah. yeah. But then and they were in we spent more time there than we intended to because the they were just wanting to know more from mm. the guide and wanting yeah. to ask her questions. And she was like, this is the most engaged group we've ever had because they were so, <laughs> so yeah. interested in it and they wanted to know more. Yeah. And like you said, I think it depends on what the unit you're going to do or the program mm. is because sometimes you can go to things and they mention stuff and the kids are like, what? So it's yeah. good to have those conversations or those lessons to build towards it. Yeah. But like you said, Beck, sometimes it's good to go and then go, mm. we're going to experience this thing and then we're going to come back and learn more about it. So, yeah. yeah. And yeah, um, so they've got that little bit of prior mm. knowledge before you do a deep dive. Yeah. Uh, another one I thought of that when you just add then two guys, Rouse Hill, um, yeah, there's some Elizabeth really Farm. Elizabeth farm. Yep. So they've got some farm experiences and a school one as well. Um, and it's immersive thing where mm. the kids go and it's like, you go back in time and they get the little costume and um, there's some, there's some really great ones there too for K to six um, yep. at Elizabeth. Farm there's a, there's a gold, um, gold mining one out in Bathurst as well and one mm-hmm. down in Mogo or there used to be one in Mogo. I don't know whether the fires. One at Bathurst you can sleep at, can't you? Is I that so, an yes. one? Yeah, yes. same as Mogo yeah. down in south. Down south. Mm. A few Coast. options there. Yeah. All right. Being mindful of the time. I think we've touched on pretty much, we haven't touched on geography really, but let's get into PDHPE because we got into Hizzy a bit. Let's get into PDHPE and I've written <laughs> on there to me. Aaron is shaking his head. <laughs> Yeah, that's how everyone listens. It's not my fave subject, people. (laughs) Geography. (laughs) Um, I think PE is kind of like the fun part. Health, we're we're getting very serious and safe about our kids. And then I find, especially for a lot of beginning teachers, personal development is awkward. I'm lucky. I I think I just dived straight in as a beginning teacher and just got into the P's and the V's and did all the labeling and everything as we needed to. Um, but for some new beginning teachers, personal James, development has James changed. Has <laughs> 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 Sorry, did I? I it was, it was Are you the token thing. male that has to go and talk to the boys? Well, there's been yeah. lots of different conversations <laughs> over many years at many different things, and I, I was more just having a giggle of when Beck was talking about um the labeling of the (laughs) male and female private parts and it just took me back to uh, a lesson um with with a stage one class so yeah oh yay and it's Mm -hmm. changed over the years guys oh my god what we taught 20 years ago is nowhere near the detail that we teach now but we need to we need to so important 
Yeah, can't just put a video on in the library where you sit with your parents and watch it. That's what I did in (laughs) for my my stage three. Yeah, that was mine as as a student. Yeah, and then you never speak of it again. (laughs) (laughs) It was nighttime with my mum and an overhead projector of that outline of the shape and everything. Oh, dear. But the the questions that you get from kids now, yeah, it's it's really hard to be. kind of creative and think out of the box on things that we really need to we kind of have to be linear and straight to the point mm. and very regimented in mm. for our kids safety and these are the lessons too where a lot of kids will disclose something so we can't be sort of too ambiguous in our conversations yeah. with kids when it comes to these things we've got to be very very clear um, and we've got to and make I'll- sure that they feel safe yeah, and also being mindful, particularly um, having taught in a Catholic system of the the system expectations and and um, values of, of you know the Catholic Church of having to fit within the constraints of what their belief systems are in terms of teaching mm. the personal yeah. development side of things as well. I can yeah. imagine that would be really hard when kids are just curious creatures. Yes. they just have questions all yeah. the time and uh, yeah. I think so that- lots of comments around oh ask mum and dad <laughs> that's a good one for mum and dad make sure mm. you go home and ask them yep. yes no, i think that's the important thing when it comes to the personal development side of things the, the classroom culture that you set up when when addressing it and i know a lot of schools um outsource with interrelated and other third-party providers to to cover the personal development but what yeah really yeah, oh, no, ours, is, oh, no. ours is done by a, um, one of the community nurses. Oh, that's an interesting thing because I suppose if the kids need help outside school, the community nurse would be mm. a safe place to go. Yeah. That's a good asset to have. It is, yeah. yeah. And what, one of the um, really good things that we used to do with um, when you have to teach those really awkward lessons was to have like a little um, post box and put out post yeah. so the kids could... Yeah. You, anonymously write down things that they were wondering and you could pull out a um one of them and go you know vet it obviously before you read it out Mm. (laughs) to to the class Mm -hmm. but just to go oh you know someone someone's wondering this and and kind of do a you know a bit of a q a without the kids having to put their hands up yeah i think stuff like that is is good too because kids can have I guess the opportunity to ask a question that they really want to know, but they don't want to be the person that, you know, puts their hand up and asks. And that's the thing sometimes like, yeah. So, you know, I'm aware of a situation when we were talking about within a personal development lesson um, about, you know, our bodies and talking about safe people and different things about that around it. And that's where um, it came out through that post box system, Alice, but a child didn't feel comfortable talking to their parent because that's where they kind of disclosed through that post-it note system that Mm. something was happening. So Mm. I think something like how you were saying with the post-it system, but also how you were saying back as well of setting those systems up because it is, things can be disclosed in those environments so it's about being aware of how you are structuring those lessons and being really intentional in how you you've planned your lessons but also having a conversation with your stage supervisor on what to do in those situations so that you you're really planned and prepared because depending upon your context and the school that you're working at you you'll be exposed to different things during those lessons 
Yeah, and be mindful of uh, uh, downloading resources from third-party providers and things like that. Sometimes they don't quite match curriculum language or expectations. We've come across a few in sort of the last, I want to say about three years, that we've, we've had to vet what resources and materials are in there. Sometimes the um the detail in there can get a bit yeah a bit off off uh, what mm-hmm. it is so you might just need to edit or, or tweak some of those things and um sometimes it it doesn't take into account um cultural differences sometimes they get yeah. very to the point of like well that's a private area that's a private area um and I've learned over the years that you can whatever you consider private is private that's the language we need to teach our kids so for our girls that are wearing a hijab that's that's a private area you know that Mm -hmm. is what it's considered and it's about that language and moving away from that language of stranger danger I had this conversation with my youngest the other day is that there there are friendly strangers and there are tricky strangers you know a friendly stranger could be a police officer or a paramedic and Mm. a tricky stranger is the the man with the van with the puppies and the candy yeah Yeah, we had a chat about this with the cyber safety guys didn't we Mm. yeah and and yes great episode if you haven't seen that one if you're a beginning teacher and you're a bit unsure about any of that cyber safety stuff go back and have a listen um, to that one that was previous season when did no, we do this, that? No, that this was this season. This season? Yep. Yeah, episode oh five. Episode. This year is flying job, already. Oh, All my gosh. It. Okay. Yep. So February, that's why it felt so long ago, Beck. <laughs> <laughs> now, we've done lots of, we've mentioned lots of favourites, what we love, and we've already been talking about ways that we integrate this. So I think let's go to fun PE. In PE, physical education, sportish type things. What's something that you love to do now? As a woman that's had three kids, I don't like running with the kids anymore <laughs> or doing star jumps or burpees. Yeah. So the I'm... beep test. Specs <laughs> 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 all for that. Oh, um, that can go. Where... I, I tend to find some low impact activities. I've been doing a little, a little bit more yoga with the kids that I do um, activities yep. with. What about you, yep. Aaron? What have you been doing? Um, we're actually, and the kids are really getting into it. We're doing a unit at the moment um, for PE about how kids play around the world. Um, and that Ooh. ties in because we're doing um, Boy Overboard as our um, novel this term. So our PE is um, looking at different games from different cultures around the world. Nice. Um, and so we are um, doing those. So each week we kind of learn a new game from a different culture um, and play that game. And we talk about, you know, parallels between games that we play and, and things like that. Um, and then we've also, we're also tying in some Indigenous um games as well which if you're looking for some great resources for cultural games or indigenous games they're on the sporting schools website um there's heaps of downloadable resources um with games from other cultures and indigenous games that you can play um and then we've been also getting the kids at the end to they've sort of got to invent a new a game of their own um but we've been talking about you know for instance, everyone plays soccer, but in certain countries they might not use a soccer ball. So when you have a game that you're creating, we kind of want to think of what's an alternative perhaps in another country that doesn't have that resource. How could they play the game with? Coconut? Yeah, something that they've got access to. Um, yeah, it's, it had some really interesting conversations, but the kids are really enjoying it um, so far. Oh, that sounds what about really you, James? Fun PE things that you like? 
Okay, anything that involves moving the body back, that's very broad. But <laughs> I'm just trying to think back on little ones depending upon the, you know, like I just, just all physical education is really good. I, I was just more, in the mud. yeah, I, I, I just more think about <laughs> all like, rush in New South Wales. We need, to, rush. Yeah, we need to have 150 minutes of physical education mm-hmm. that teaches or um, think about, but I always liked just within the classroom, really integrating through literacy, numeracy. I know we're avoiding those topics, but in (laughs) each key learning area involving physical education within the classroom, it's obviously not teaching them, you know, some, some of the core aspects of physical education of teamwork and all those different things, but involving the students moving through um, my lesson um, creation kind of thing. But so not really telling your favourite activity, but I enjoyed integrating physical education within the classroom. I think that's a big important part. Mm. Yeah. Still totally an acceptable answer, James. <laughs> <laughs> Alice, how about you? What do they play down in Tumut? Well, one of the one of the games that snowboarding. Really... Well, yes. <laughs> Towards the end of the of the ski season, we get to go. Um, one of the things that we really enjoy playing um, at my school is in the hall. We get out um, three drink bottles on either side, so they run parallel, and you've got. Oh, say about six balls and you line them all up along the center line in the middle of the hall and you kind of say go and they all run from each of the walls into the middle to grab the balls and they've got to try and knock down the drink bottles it's called three towers and the team who gets um the most like all of the three drink bottles knocked down is the winning team but it's it's a kind of a game of skill and and teamwork they've got to work as a team to be able to get get the other players out. So if the ball touches from the knee down, the player is out and they've got to sit on the sideline. But if you call um, jailbreak, they can all go back in. So it's kind of, it's a kind of an ever growing, <laughs> evolving game, but it's the kids really love it. And it's high, high intensity, high impact, and it's lots of fun. Sounds like a, a modified yeah, version I like of dodgeball. That. I was going to yes. say that, yes. and I just and Alice, you made me think of a game that our kids absolutely love: Golden Child. Oh Ooh. yes, <laughs> love, love this. Love Golden Child. It, like yeah. they will beg to play Golden Child every time we do PE. Yeah, um, play. So Golden Child is it's a good little basketball skills kind of game. So you need to be on a basketball court or netball court or something. You have two teams. So one team starts off as shooters. So they normally sort of line up in a row at the three-point line and one at a time they're shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens is the other team are lined up and they have to do a lap of the, the court. And if they get a person around, they get a point. But if a person who's shooting gets a goal, then the runner has to sit down and it keeps going around. So you get a point if you get someone around the Mm -hmm. the court, Um, but the last person is called the golden child. So the last person on the running team, what they do is they run and when they get to someone sitting down, that person gets up. So they can basically then everyone yeah, can get a point. Collect they collect the, the people. Around. But if you get the golden child out on the shooting team, obviously you guys win and they get no points. So, um, yeah, I, we can post the link to it because it's, it's kind of hard to explain. But the yeah. kids absolutely love it. Golden child. 
Yeah. I think it warrants you going out and getting one of those um two dollar crowns just mm. <laughs> for the golden child to have just hang out on the playground. A little sash ready for the, the game. Yeah, but yes, <laughs> it's a good one for teaching shooting. Yeah, nice. There's lots of great games out there. Yeah. What's yours, Beck? What do you like um, to play in your in your school? I like doing games that are modified. And I think that probably comes from the fact that I started my teaching journey in a specialist environment with kids that needed alterations made to a lot of the games. So if you've ever done, do you remember back in the day, there used to be the active after school training and Mm -hmm. you could get this massive Mm -hmm. box and all it was, was essentially the same games just modified mm-hmm. in various ways. And it, there's also the Live Life Well at School resources, same yes, thing, lots of modified one. games, <laughs> heaps. Um, and if once you start to see how things can be modified, you find you apply to everything. So my absolute favourite one is Modified Bull Rush. I think I've told you about this one before. So Bull Rush, obviously kids line up at one end of the field. You've got a couple of people that are in, you yell Bull Rush, and then they all, you know, run across the field and try not to get tipped. If you're tipped, then you're in. Eventually more and more kids get in. It's always the fastest speedy kid in the school that's left last, dodging everyone. It's hilarious when they get tipped. Um, I, I didn't like the fact that the kids were frustrated. It was always going to be the same kid winning mm. at the end of it. We all know who the fast kid in the class kid is in the class is, and they're, they're always going to win. Um, so I started modifying it so that they had to move from one side of the field to the other in a different way. The most hilarious ones are the duck waddle. They have to get down on the ground and waddle like a duck. And if you're in, you have to waddle like a duck waddle, to get waddle. them as well. Um, walking <laughs> like a zombie. That. With the sounds, so the hands out, brains uh, <laughs> that are in have to do it too. So, of course, you see them trying to speed walk. The best one is the moonwalk backwards like Michael Jackson across the field. Uh, make sure the field is flat <laughs> when you're doing that one because they will trip and fall. Um, like a raptor, like a dinosaur. <laughs> and you find it's not always the sporty fast kid that wins those ones there's always someone who manages to walk like a duck better than that kid um and it just gives everyone equal access to those games it's still bull rush it's just done in a different way and you can come up with some really kooky crazy um movement ways to get them to go over and then after a while you get, get suggestions from the kids you know how else can we move from one side of the field to the other and then every now and then you chuck in a run Go run. Okay. Sporty kid, you get a win. <laughs> okay. Quick takeaways, James. Takeaway is the importance that literacy and numeracy is so important because if you're not literate, you can't be numerative. If you're not literate, you can't really access any of the other key learning areas. So not taking away from that, but the importance to remember the bigger picture in developing the whole child within our care. Absolutely. Alice? My key takeaway is to contextualise, to make sure that you're drawing in things that are relevant to the students that you're teaching and the, you know, the environment that they come from. Yeah. Aaron? Um, Sort of piggybacking off what Alice said, I've actually got two. um, But I was going to say keeping it, I guess, relevant and meaningful, like tying it in with what we're learning about. So trying mm-hmm. to draw those connections to the other things that we are doing, say in literacy and numeracy. So it's got that meaning to it and that link. And then, um, you know, that would be top priority for me, making sure that it's, you know, relevant to what we're doing and it ties in. Um, but the second thing is prioritizing it. Like it's so easy for us to go, oh, I just don't have time for that. 
But I think that comes back to exactly what you said at the beginning, Beck. For a student that really struggles in maybe literacy or numeracy, this could be the one thing where they actually feel Mm. like they have success. And if we cut that out continually, there's not, there isn't that positive experience of, you know, I can actually do this thing really well. Um, and too often it's the, oh, we just won't have time for that. We just won't have time for yeah. that. Um, so making it a priority um, and I is think important. Looking at integrating is a great way to for it to not fall off the bandwagon. Mm, for yeah. you to go, you know what, if I integrate, you know, say you're doing history, gold or whatever it is that you're studying, linking that in with what you the types of texts that you're exploring, the types of, mm. you know, rich literature that you're reading, tying it all in together means that you, you know, you're less likely to go, oh, look, we just won't do history this week mm. because, yeah. it, because it's all interrelated. You can you, know, you bring your drama in, you can mm. bring your visual arts in, bring your music in. It's yeah. look at games that they played, you know, back in, in that era. So it's, you know, looking at it from that holistic point of yeah. view. Yep. Bring marbles back. They haven't had a comeback for a while. <laughs> you back. You I'm take straight up stealing James's bus stop. I think that could even work for like a funny one. stuff afternoon, mm. you know, brain break or something like that. I, I'm just, I'm thieving today. I'm keen to hear how you use it, Beck. I'm keen to hear how. Can we get a sneaky little video? When yeah, you can you it? film it? <laughs> Do you know what? We've got a lot of wet weather coming up in Sydney. I'm sure there's going to be some lunches yes. that we are stuck inside and need something to do. Yep. <laughs> yeah, great I'll idea. Borrow, I'll borrow a class and give it a go and let you know. Again. Excellent. Okay. We for an episode I thought that was going to be quick. We've gone pretty long this time. We can't help so. ourselves. I know. We just apologies. I did talk for a while at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just love science. We do. We love it. Okay. So we're going to wrap up episode 13, focus on fun in learning. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, please find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I don't know. These guys are pointing at me in the camera and I don't know why. Because something exciting happened during the week back. Oh my God. It is. (laughs) have been podcasting for a year. Happy Podiversary. <laughs> One whole year. It feels like five. <laughs> oh, I hope in a good way, Beck. It's not in a very good way. Literally, like I said, it felt like ages ago we spoke to the, the cyber guys and really it wasn't that long ago. We, You know what? I think the best thing is out of what we do, I feel I learn something every week mm, as well. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Always have a takeaway. Always a takeaway. Absolutely. And the the learning and growth, I hope, will continue for many more years to come. So thank you, everyone, for sticking with us for a year. And if you're brand new, welcome. There's a few episodes that you can go back through over the last year. Uh, So we'll see you in episode 14, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Bye.